This is the Life Truth Network. Quest for our truth. Episode 418. Quest for Truth, presented by Protectorate Productions and HPN, Heltsley Podcast Network. Now located at life-truth.com. And now, here is your host, Keith Heltsley. Ah, come on, do I really have to read this part? Solving all your problems and making your dreams come true. Uh, Oh, somebody out of my misery hey welcome everybody that is correct this is quest for truth and we have a solo episode today um it actually is an interview and it runs a shade on the longer side so i don't want to take up an awful lot of time here to get going hey but be prepared to listen about a uh, brand new um, uh, support group to help out blinded veterans uh, currently, it is still in the forming up stage, but it's getting ready to go live and uh, support those in our military uh, who have, uh, one reason or another, uh, became blind, whether it be actively in service or even years later, uh, if you find yourself in that category. Uh, well, uh, with that, let's go ahead and uh, turn to with this, uh, and we'll get you started. Uh, listening to David King and his Heinz Blind Veteran Graduates group that he's starting up. Now, and it, of course, David is a Christian. We'll talk about his testimony as well. So, hey, but first, let's listen to a, f- a few words from the good folks there at the Christian Podcast Community, ChristianPodcastCommunity.com, where you will hear some voices that sound kind of like the ones you're going to hear right now. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. Good to have you with us. I am your squirrel, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Squirrel Chatter is a podcast that is dedicated primarily to the public reading of Scripture. Please remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not to do. Do everything you do for the glory of the Lord. And we'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Scroll Shadow. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster. Now featured on the Christian Podcast Community, ChristianPodcastCommunity.org. Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. If the practice principle is vital for teaching such morally neutral tasks as tying shoes, how much more important is it for training children in Christ-like character? This is Yvette Hampton, host of the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. Join us each week for a new episode as we offer encouragement and resources on biblical discipleship from popular speakers and authors, as well as parents just like you and me. Find out more at schoolhouserocked.com or listen anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Main topic. Okay, and here we are. I have a, a veteran. His name is David King, and he uh, has, I don't know if you would call it a, a ministry per se, but it is a support group uh, for veterans, specifically blinded veterans. And uh, he also is a Christian. We'll talk more about that as we go along. 
But once you introduce yourself to everybody, David, and tell people about the uh, the Heinz Wine Group. Hello, everyone. Thank you, uh, Keith, for inviting me on. Uh, I'd like to say hello. My name is David King. I am from uh, Evansville, Indiana. I am also a veteran of the U.S. Navy. Uh, many years ago, I served when I was young and didn't understand about a lot of things. So I started out with getting a little bit of understanding in life from the military. Now, my background is uh, it's, it's pretty complex, but as a Christian, as coming this forward, my life started out on the rough end. Uh, and, and I won't go into glorious detail. My parents were now, not. Were you always from Evanston or you just kind Evansville? of? Evansville, yes. Yeah. Born yeah. and raised there, okay. Born and raised in Evansville. I, I know where that's at, actually. <laughs> right, yeah. The southern part of Indiana, yep. the last city before you hit Kentucky. Yep. Or Henderson, Kentucky, rather, right across the bridge from us. So, yeah, Evansville is my um, my home, and um, I've made it my home for a long time. Even after coming out of the military, I came back home um, because there's no place like home. That's where people supported you, raised you, knew you. That's where I went to church. I was became a Christian uh, when I was like eight years old. And we say this as a joke informed, but our parents drug us to church. Um, you, you had a drug problem too, huh? Yeah. We... <laughs> <laughs> that was what I was. I've got drugged to church a lot too. Yeah, we, we, we were drugged. We didn't have a choice in the matter. I, I was an adopted, I mean, a foster family. And the last foster family I got was the one family that took me to church. So I was this little kid going to this church and I was like, I don't know nothing about all this stuff going on, but it sure is fun up in here because you get to see all kinds of people, uh, other kids and so forth. But uh, there was a point in our life that our parents did talk to us about our relationship with Jesus Christ. And although we were young, we just wanted to make them feel good, get off our back. Okay, okay, we'll get baptized, no problem. So, um, but the effect of that baptismal did not take take its full effect into us until later in my life, as much older after having children or before having children, a little bit of the military. But after the military with the children, it's like, uh oh, I'm gonna need some help. Because I, I know, I know, I know a man's supposed to be a provider. And he's also, but he's more than a provider what else do i need to do you know so there's a lot of things you have to learn but i did i got i got a grip on my relationship with jesus christ and kind of renewed that relationship not went back and got baptized but renewed that relationship by you know totally praying and being a servant even in the church but um as i right and there's that's a good point because uh I mean, some people will say, you know, you, if, you know, getting saved as a kid, you're not really saved, or you should wait till you're a teenager or older. But you know, sometimes you can come to faith even as young as you know, eight years old, mm -hmm. and it's legitimate. And, and but what you're really doing is piggybacking on the faith of your family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You still believe, but it's an infant belief. But as you get older, maybe teenage, twenty years old or more then you re revisit that and you make that faith your own. And that's a good yeah. point. You know. Yeah. I, I gravitated to that because after raising children, raising children, I wanted them to have that same, once I connected and understood where my relationship was with it, with uh, the father, then I wanted that same gift because I realized something when these kids grow up, they're going to be just like me. They're going to wonder, They'll have a lot of questions about a lot of things. And let me first get it right so I can share with them where to begin or how to start their life. I didn't expect them to become fanatic Christians, but just the fact that you realize that giving your life over to Christ means that you're saying, one thing, you want your name written in the Williams Book of Life. Now, a lot of, when we're young, we don't know that, but... But as parents, when we tell our kids that's important, 
um, that's when they start listening. What do you mean connecting with Christ? Ain't I, ain't your, ain't y'all my mom and daddy? Yeah. But then now you got to share the story why you need to hook up with Christ. And so your religion, your faith, your belief in Christ, your studying, all the studying you did. Now you got to share why. And when that question came up, somebody said, well, what are you going to do when you tell your child? I'm going to study this word so I can make sure I get it right. So sharing with them and letting them know that if it had not been for Christ dying on the cross for us, we wouldn't be here. So we owe him everything and he has done all of that. Now, once you explain it to the kids in such a way, girls or boys, they're like, really? You mean to tell me that's what Easter's all about? You mean that's what the cross is all about? Yeah. Right, about Easter bunnies or chocolate eggs? Holy cow. Yeah, well, and, and, and even at that, I used to have sessions with them at Easter, and I was like, now listen, the world said Easter bunnies and Easter egg is significant to Easter. But I got to tell you the truth. Ain't got a thing to do with Christ. No. Not one thing. And they get they get amazed by that when you're telling them the truth. Because, see, kids like the truth. I was always lied to about a lot of things. Some things I was. Some things I was evasive about. But when they talk, when I love children, so I'm, when I'm sharing with them, I'm coming to their level to help them to understand the significant why you want to have that relation. So it didn't come to me this way, but I'm bringing it to them that way. So right. I'm proud to say all of my children, grandchildren, not great-grandchildren yet because they're too little, but grandchildren have all accept their Christ as their personal savior. And so I've made my quest, my entire family. I'm kind of like Aaron. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so, so I've, I, didn't, I didn't put that out on a board or nothing like that. I just said in my head, I will make that a, a goal to make sure every one of my family members are saved. Right. Well, you know, God puts kids in your care for a reason. To raise them yes, right. Yep. Teach them all that proper, uh, you know, apologetic, you know, teaching them what to believe and why they need to believe that. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you're here for a reason. You're not here just to, because some of them get it wrong. Ain't nobody in charge. Yes, there is. God's in charge. Yeah. We got rules and regulations we have to live by by the world standard, but also God has a standard that he said, don't do this. There's commandments when you share the commandments with them. Like, you mean I can't, I ain't supposed to steal? No, it's against God's law. You can't steal. You know, you can't, you can't go in there and steal something that don't belong to you. Even God made provisions for us to understand way back a commandment. I, which means I, me, whoever, cannot still, shall not still, will not. And so once you imply that upon them, now they're getting a sense of direction. Ooh, somebody bigger than my daddy is watching over me. My earthly father's watching. Oh, yeah. And so that's fascinating. That's not a fantasy. To them, it is. Like we were told about Pinocchio and all these other stories. Oh. Fantasy stories. But this is a reality. You still can't see him, but he's evident. And so they're going to ask me, well, how do you know God is out there? Well, the Bible says so. And then you got all these worldly interpretations. Well, the Bible's written so many different languages, and they mistook some things out and took, put some things. How do you know what they took out of you ain't never read the beginning? Oh. <laughs> so a lot of people are misinformed about God's word. And so yeah, when- and they're, like you pointed out, they're misinformed about how a Bible translation comes to be. Some people think, oh, you, you know, somebody wrote it down and handed it to the next person to the next person. <laughs> it's like, no, people who translate the Bible go back to oh. old manuscripts. And so yeah. the, the King James Bible is based on old Greek and Hebrew. And so are exactly oh, so yeah. are translations that are made today. They, they go back to the uh, oldest and most reliable manuscripts. So it's. It's like you're, you're looking at the same picture, but you're, uh, you know, making it new again. You know, right, right. There is so many translations, but you also have to be careful. You know that you're picking up the right Bible, the word, the word of God, not. Well, and and there are bad translations. I will have to say it is. Uh, 
but, but even if you had a bad translation or oh, like the message <laughs> or like the world what's called a world something translation you can still get the salvation message out of it you can uh, uh, but even if, if from a bad translation but the reason why bad translations exist is because some denomination or other has an agenda and they're trying to groom you to thinking like they do right right jehovah witnesses and so forth would be a classic example uh muhammad a muslim because they use portions of the bible for their own benefit but they have some objectivities toward what god's word yeah. said and, and for example the muslim and the mormons will both say that the bible has been corrupted but when you ask them what parts have been corrupted they don't know they can't tell you no they don't know and that's why i said <laughs> the misinformation or the mistranslation because they might read what is real and what is written down even in the Holy Bible, but they're going to translate it wrong. That's one of the reasons why I say before you well, know. Well, in, interpreting it wrong. Right. Uh, there's a lot of passages you can take out of context. There uh, is. That gets, oh, I'm, I'm trying to think of some. But, uh, I, I, nothing comes to mind. I'm sure I'll think of a bunch of them when we get to talking. But, oh, like the one about, uh, I know what I have in store for you, things to prosper, and so forth. And that's a good verse. It really is. But yeah. it's a verse that was directed toward, particularly towards the Jews and not modern-day Christians. And it also comes right before God sent them off to seven years of captivity. Mm -hmm. So, wow, he knows what's good for me, and yeah. but yet I have to suffer for 70 years. Yeah. That doesn't sound very nice guy or God, <laughs> but that's the context that it's in. And, now, the, in the big picture, he did have the, the best plans, and he knows what he was going to do. Right. And, and, you know, and we can claim that, that when we're going through something bad, we can claim that God knows what the end is going to be, but it may take longer than we think it does. Well, it did. The classic example of that when he brought the people out of uh, Egypt and brought them through dry land and took them through the wilderness and all of that and all the murmuring, fussing, fighting and unbelief in the wilderness. Some died in the wilderness, never did get to the promised land. Uh, including Moses. <laughs> including Moses, Moses himself. He said, I, 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 he, he knew he wasn't going to get to go in. He was already told to him by God, you, you ain't going to get to go in now, dog. You, you, you got blood on your hand. <laughs> so, you know, or not, it, it wasn't just the blood. Um, well, he had, had disobeyed because he was told to speak to the rock for the water, right. and he, he struck it. Struck it sounds right. pretty you know, a semantic thing, but uh, you, you read Bible scholars and theologians and studies, and there's, it goes to a spiritual level with that, you know, that, you know, what, what kind of rock can spew forth all these gallons of water? The rock was a manifestation of Christ. And so he mm -hmm. struck, you know, the, the savior when he should have just spoke. Right. <laughs> you right. know, that, that's kind of the gist of the. Whole that's a good art. way to put that Keith. That's a, that's a great exemplary way to put that. Um, yeah. You should have been. So Speaking because you know because of that is what got him not able to go. Yeah, disobedience because that's what we have a tendency to do today: disobey God's word. And there is a result. You know, some of the, the there's a consequence that I said that you don't get to do this because of something. And same thing if you go leave this world without forgiving someone, you know. Or you live with unforgiveness, you'll see the result of why, what happens to you when you don't forgive someone. Now, God can't forgive you because you didn't forgive somebody else. So, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, and it's not that that God can't or won't or don't, but the, it's a good object lesson. Uh, but the, when it comes to unforgiveness, the person that suffers the most is you. Absolutely. If you do a diffraction against me, and oh my gosh, I just cannot forgive that David King. Yeah, I'm the one who suffers. You might not even know you did anything offensive to me. Right. <laughs> you know? well, I mean, you, even when Jesus gave the classic example, um, the model prayer to the disciples right after that, he said, uh, then Matthew covers it. He said, now, and if you don't forgive those 
who have wronged you or so forth, then you, if you don't forgive, and the emphasis on you, mm-hmm. you don't forgive. The father who loves you will not forgive you too. So right. it it has a reason. I, I I think it relates to the concept of where it says, you know, they will know you're Christians by your love. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, but then again, okay, you're a loving person. But then to what level do you show somebody love? Yep. I'm going to love you as little as I have to to get by, or I'm going to love you a great deal. Mm-hmm. So the depth of your love, the kind of love that you show Service is, your, is your report card. And with the forgiveness, to me, it's not that you don't forgive, but the kind of forgiveness, you begrudge it. Well, maybe God's going to begrudge you some forgiveness. Yeah. <laughs> you well, got to be sincere about this forgiveness. Yeah. Oh. I know I've done wrong, and you got to be really humble about going before that person and say, now somebody asked the question the other night, well, what about, oh, well, do we go to God's forgiveness or do we go to the person? Good, dangerous question. But who who sinned? Who who did not forgive? Not sin. Who, who did something to you and you didn't forgive them? Because it's up to you to go or who who did you do something to that you did not ask for forgiveness or who asked you to give them forgiveness and you didn't even do it so you're held accountable in every category god's holding the heart of the individual who loves him accountable and that's what we're supposed to do if you love me you do do as i tell you that's what the bible says if you love me you'll keep my commandments Uh, and and we can show that obedience uh, to God by expressing it to others. Exactly. So, you know, if, if I mean, ultimately all, all sin is a sin against God, sure. but it's, it's one thing is for me to say, Hey God, help me forgive that old David King for doing X. When the God says, you know, go tell yourself. And yeah. by doing that, by express, we're, you know, uh, for, asking forgiveness from God or, uh, whatever we seek from God by expressing it to the person that we have that problem with. <laughs> yeah. And of course, no uh, people, I don't have any problem with David King. <laughs> yeah. Just saying this as an example. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm you. I know you use that as a metaphoric example, but that's great. Um, Cause you know, we've even, I've had to do, deal with that personally myself and um, what made me more determined was because I want to be forgiven by God. I want to, I want to do right in his sight. And whatever he tells me I'm supposed to do, then whether I like it or not, I got to do it. Oh, yeah. You know, the world, the Bible says to love everyone. He didn't say we had to like all of them, though. But That's true. true. Our first commandment is to love the Lord with all our heart and soul. So, and when um, it says to love one another, that's primarily one another as other believers. Now we're right. supposed to love everyone as God loves people. Right. Because it's hard there to are people that. out there who are, are not believers and will never be a believer. And we're not supposed to show hate or uh animosity towards any kind of yeah, animosity or evil towards them. And it does say, you know, pray for those who persecute you. Absolutely. But so you're, not, we, you're not required to, you know, love them in the same way you're going to love your brother or sister. Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> the hardest thing is you got shot and you got to be in the hospital for many, many months because of that shot. Well, you know, I guess it's hard to tell that person you need to go to, you need to forgive the person, even though they're being held accountable. But in order for that person that got shot to heal, they need to forgive that person so the healing process will continue on because God's holding them accountable for that. I know you got shot. I know, dog, you hurt, ain't you? Yeah. But if I was to speak metaphorically, which God does not speak that way, I would. he, he would say, yeah, 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 that's it. That's all on you. If you don't do it, remember, I'm still in control. I'm God. If you don't forgive them, I know they hurt you, dog. I know. But I gave a command. Now it may be hard to do. You can sometimes we say we forgive, but we don't forget. 
that that's okay to a certain extent, but don't let it eat your whole life up trying to remember what somebody did and then hoard your whole life for the rest of your life because you didn't even forgive them and so forth. So it goes deep. It can cut. It can cut like a sharp two-edged sword to you when you disobey or when you. But you don't. Um, yeah, and when it comes to forgiving and forgiving, it's an admirable goal. But you're right; we're humans, and it's hard to do that. Uh, but the thing is, if someone does an infraction, like it's give example, they shoot you. It's like, you know, just because I forgive you doesn't mean I need to be around you anymore. <laughs> right. Right. I don't need to open that door for you to shoot me every time you see me. Well, you you know we no I ain't I ain't about to come down your way now, dog. Not no more because <laughs> you already you know you you don't you don't do the same thing twice. If it hurts you the first time, why would you go back and let it hurt you another time? You, you know, now, it, for from all this discussion, uh, I I know you are active in your church and that. Uh, do you have a ministry you do there? Is, Actually, is you... there's there's several things that we do, um, uh, you know, other than singing in the men's choir or, or teaching children and young in the children's Bible study or uh, hospitality services. Those are just mediocre things that I just volunteer to do. But my biggest one is the Boys to Men ministry. And that is a program helping young men to become better, responsible, honest, integrated, uh, uh, honest young men who learn how to treat teachers, women, and people better than they have been in the past. Uh, we have seen some examples of young boys getting in trouble in school because they don't know how to listen and pay attention to the teacher. And I get a lot. Get you have those too, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, we. It's an epidemic. I mean, my son when he was coming through school, I was his biggest. His uh, his tutor, because he, but he was the kind of boy he just wanted me to do the work for him, and and I caught on to that real early. I'm like, oh, you just want me, mm-hmm. So now I became the teacher and start making him think. You know, what would you, what would you think that answer is? But because if you did your homework, you read the back part, you'll know. I'm not gonna give you the answer, but I do want you to get the answer and so forth. So we do know there's boys who just play around in class. Uh, they don't have respect for the teachers and sometimes their own peers. And we see they're cutting up and acting, but that's not all. It grows, when they get away with it as kids like that in the school, it carries on into their adult life where they don't pay attention. They're not respectful. And they turn out to be sometimes our statistics shows either dead or in prison or in, on drugs, caught up in uh, the drug scene. And so we want to put a, we, this program started about 17 years ago and we want to curb that. We, we tried to make a big difference. And I think we have made a significant difference in the life of our young boys because we're grooming them better than we used to. Um, uh, boys were forgotten in their family, allowed to do pretty much whatever they want. They, if you play sports, you got you got camaraderie from dad because he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But there were some things you needed to learn about boys. So this Boys and Men program came together. As we were talking about it, we went to have a discussion, went to Indianapolis and had a guy who, a pastor had a brother who's been doing Boys to Men up in Indianapolis for years. As a matter of fact, theirs is big. They were they were getting money from courts because the court got involved. Because if the boys are acting up in school and getting bad, 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 they went to court. And so to curb that, the courts allow these boys to go to this program as part of their uh, accountability. If you are not going to this program, because this program is a bona fide program. And so if you're not going to that and giving what you're supposed to get, then yeah, 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 you, you ain't going to last long in this world without... Yeah some proper guidance. And then, you know, and that's important is to uh, raise your kids so that they're prepared to strike it out on their own. Right. Uh, I mean, we currently have uh, some teenage grandkids in the house. And sometimes you're like, oh, why are you making me do this thing? Why are you making me do this chore? And they'll just flat out rebel about one thing or another. But it's like, look, you know, I'm not here to be your enemy. Right. I'm here to make sure that in, the, in 
next year or three years from now, whenever you're no longer a senior in high school, you can be successful. You don't need to have me telling you what to do. You'll know what to do. <laughs> and that and that goes home for the home front too. That's one of the importance. We want to know how you treat how you treat your mama, your sister, even if her father's in the home. Are you treating corporately? Um, so we always ask them, what responsibilities do you do at home? Well, I just I don't really do nothing. Wait a minute, hold on, then I back it up. You mean to tell your laundry washes itself, your dishes <laughs> wash themselves. Yeah. yeah. You mean to tell me your food is prepared, cooked, prepared, bought, cooked, prepared by you? No, no, I ain't say all that. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So, so, so if your parents ask you to sweep the floor, take the trash out, or even clean up the room that they own, you don't want to do it? Do you know, and I have to break it down to the, do you know your parents' responsibility is to train you up so that you may be adaptable to the world you don't when you get married you don't want to tell your wife hey honey you need to wash my clothes because that's what women do oh don't uh -huh. want to make yeah can of worms right there yeah. <laughs> you do not yeah, want i i know how how teenage boys are i used to be one and you can be messy at times but i i have to say i'm not i was never nearly as messy as what my own kids were my grandkids it was like you know you're going to be leaving my house here in just a couple of years and you're going to live in an apartment or a house that looks like that? Yeah. Remind oh, really? me to never come visit you. because like, That's what I do. I tell them the same thing. The way y'all keep this room, and I tell you to keep it clean, pick up your stuff, pick up your, you know, in the bathroom when you're going to use the you, shower. You, you want to have a girlfriend and invite her over to a house that looks like Ooh, that? She, Ooh, no way. Yeah, she ain't going to like your uh, your. Uh, your the household or housekeeping antics because if you're just throwing things in the corner hoping they'll just take care of yourself that's not that, that girlfriend ain't gonna clean your apartment or wash your dirty clothes yeah, you can't that. even get girls to do that now she really gotta love you and see that's the part what do you men boys have to offer to the world other than what you want you know what you want to do you got to offer something you got to be kind to people you got to yeah. these things we're training you for today at in home it's better yeah. to prepare you and our motto is uh preparation open doors of opportunity if you're prepared there's all kind of opportunities available to you as you do these things if you're following the rules if you're doing what you're doing you're good to your mom and then your daddy if you're doing good in school with the teachers teacher will help you people will move you help you move forward if you take steps for yourself so we want to hold them accountable to their actions if they've done something wrong okay 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 well you know you're gonna have to go back and apologize and i want to see it <laughs> well, you mean i gotta yeah yeah, I'm your mentor, and I want you. I'm holding you personally. Come, if if I can spend time with you, spend money, time, and energy, talents, all this stuff, and all of these other mentors that I have with me, we're spending all this time. They have to be accountable, and so you have to start making them become accountable while they're young, so that they'll grow up and realize, oh, I got I got fired because I didn't come on come to work on time. Uh, or you're or you're taking a break when you should have been taking a break. taking you taking liberties that you're you shouldn't be belligerent taking. with the boss or something <laughs> yeah you gotta follow rules and follow the same thing that we had to do they're gonna have to do it and now it's gonna be different and we seen that the world was changing but we didn't know it was gonna change this drastic so the preparation part steps up we gotta start teaching them things that are applicable in how for example boys have clean cleanliness you know i know we can be some rotten boys and you get a group of boys in a room 10 12 boys that's the funkiest room in the house or in the place and so you now you got to teach them about hygiene personal hygiene yeah 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 i know your mama told you to take a bath but if somebody outside your mama had to tell you to take a bath that's bad oh yeah because you were taught better than that and now you're walking around you're thinking you you all that and you stinking like that. That's one thing. How to handle yourself when police pull you over. If you ain't did nothing wrong, what you scared for? Yeah. No, I want you to be respectful. Yes, sir, Mr. Officer. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. 
Uh, I can talk, I can get my mom on the phone. Yes, sir. You know, you're going to have to be kind to people whether you want to or not. That kind of way of teaching them prepares them how for bigger and better success because we're right. being we're actually giving them practicality of things, how to handle police, how to be kind, how your manners ought to be, uh, your choices of careers, what when you plan in your life, what are you planning on? You you know, most of the kids tell me I won't be a basketball player. Well, that's okay, cool. But everybody can't be a basketball, NBA basketball player. So what you going to do when you ain't playing basketball? See, we're trying to get them to think about their life advanced rather than the wait till you get 18 and then, oh, I'll think about it when I'm 18. No, I think you need to start making a plan on it. And one of the things I used to have the boys to do was a vision board. Oh, no. Cut, cut out stuff. This is your life. You plan right now what you're going to be doing in five years or 10 years down the road. Put it on a vision board and monitor that vision board periodically to see how well you're succeeding. That's the That was the best tool I could give them. Now, if you don't do it, then you you give up on yourself. You ain't giving up yeah, on yourself. You know, whenever I was young, I, I don't know that I had had it called specific, uh, specifically a vision board, but I was introduced to the concept of uh, what's your goal in life? Do you want, oh, you want to be, uh, you know, an architect? Mm -hmm. What do you got to do to, to be an architect? There you go. Well, if, you got to go to school. So mm -hmm. it's going to take at least four years of schooling. You want to be a better mm -hmm. architect, go to get a master's degree. It's got four years of schooling. That means at 18, I'm looking at not grad, being done with school until I'm 22, 24. So if I want to start earning a living, I need to get through that. So mm -hmm. I'm going to take a year off, two years off. Well, you're setting that goal back. Now you can't yep. start that job until you're 28 or Absolutely. 29. So the sooner you can walk through those career steps, the better. And so you just kind of pick a goal and say, what do I got to do to get there and make sure you plan. And if you start late, you just have to realize, well, that goal is just set back by that much. Yeah. And that's important. They really that you have to see that measuring stick as you go. And some of my boys have picked up on just what you just said. You know, I don't want to do that this year. Okay. Then you put that plan aside. So that's going to cut you back about five years because you decide you don't want to go to school. Now, okay, after you go get out of high school, you want to go, you just want to play around. Okay. Okay. So you're going to put that on a setback. Now remember, you're accountable for your own action. You got to be accountable. So when you don't get, you don't need to get mad at anybody else but yourself because you failed yourself when you don't follow your own plan. So you need to have a plan. Just like if you're going to run a bit, I'm going to be a businessman. Well, like you said, what are you, what are you going to do? What are you going? What do you need to know about business? What what kind of uh, knowledge do you have to run the business? What kind of licensing do you have to have in place? What kind of legal uh, precautions you need to take what kind of insurance what kind of, there's a lot a lot to get and this to came as that. a personal in personal to me a testimony was when i got out of the military i thought i was the tough stuff i thought i could get any job i want to almost and um i remember down in florida i went worked at a restaurant called the international house of pancakes well i didn't have any training in management but they promoted me to management um, had no idea what management was, but I was liking this. I'm like, wow, this is cool. I got a title. Title don't mean nothing if you don't know what you're doing. And I did not pursue that management career long enough because I, when I walked in it, I did not know, you know, bookkeeping, inventory, uh, all kinds of different things come into play when you become a manager, money management, um, you know, shift setting, you, you gotta, you gotta be fair and you can't be favorite. You can't pick a favorite. You gotta be fair. Right. So I learned that. And that lesson of me not knowing what to do, all the things I should have did was one of the testimonies that I reflect back on why I'm into this program with boys to men. And right. I adopted I raised four children, and then I adopted 10 additional after those were raised. Oh, wow. And the first set was three girls and one boy. Then the second set was eight boys and two girls. <laughs> okay. The work 
That was God working on me then. Okay, I, okay, you like kids? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You love them? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm gonna give you something now. I need you to take care of. Them. And I, need I, you I never adopted any, but I was always in a place where I was a, a center school teacher for kids' departments. So mm -hmm. I didn't have to adopt them. I had a whole school class full of them. <laughs> yeah, I can at least give them back at the end of the day. My daughter used to do that all the time. As we in church, you, every little kid and boy come up around me, Mr. King, Mr. King, you know. And then I said, well, come on, son. That ain't my daughter would say, that's not your son, daddy. I'm your daughter. I'm like, girl, you better hush. These, these kids need to hear that someone cares and embraces them. Yeah. And like you said, you can give them back. Parents don't have no problem with you calling them son, because they know that that's not your son. They're gonna you're gonna give them back to them. Yeah. Well, uh, I I know when I opened up, I mentioned uh, our veteran, and you're doing this thing with the veteran support, and we're kind of running a little shorter on the time. We've got some time still. So, do okay. you want to talk about yeah uh, the what's it, the Heinz Blind Veteran Group? Or what's the official name of it there? It's it's Heinz Blind Veteran uh, Graduates. All of those. Okay. Um, that came after a while in my life. I realized my vision was going bad. After I learned one day that I was wanting to get some contact lenses in my 30s, the doctor said, you can't have when I went to get the glasses and did he did the puff test. They said, no, you need to see a specialist. And so from that time on, I've been seeing eye specialists and so forth to bring down the glaucoma and so forth. Now, they had offered me to go to Heinz for the longest. Oh, we got this program, da-da-da, and Heinz. Okay, I still don't know what that meant. Didn't know what to expect. Uh, and, and for those who also don't know that, Heinz is Heinz Blind Rehab Center. Uh, for, for, you go for people who are blind to adapt to you know daily life. Yeah. Right. Right. That was what that program was set up for. And that's what kind of feared me. I'm like, I'm not blind. <laughs> but but the time I was convinced that this is what you need to do, go there, go there, get okay, okay, I went. When I got there, before I went, I did realize that after they put me on disability, I was like, well, it's kind of putting us out in the pasture. We can't do nothing no more. Okay. That means we ain't we ain't, we, we're cut off. And I felt a little isolated from that. So when I went to Heinz, completely turned me completely around. And I say that because it opened up opportunities that I'd never had before, which means, you know, I've, I've never had iPads and computers and things without buying them myself. And then they, they break and then you just can't afford to go buy another one. So here I am at Heinz getting adaptive equipment that I need to help me see for the reason why I need and it's doing better. And now I'm progressing better and doing more things than I was doing before I left. I'm motivated on helping other people. Um, so I was talking with one of the, when I was there, I was collecting a lot of names, people in the lunchroom. We used to do prayer. And one guy would do the, do the, do the um, pledges of allegiance. So we were kind of teamed up to, you know, encourage the group of people we were with. At the he, time. he was the mayor there then, huh? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what they call the mayor. They kept saying, he got mayor, he got mayor. It never yeah, went they, Yeah, the Heinz, they appoint somebody as a mayor, and your job is essentially to lead the pledge, to say the prayer. Yeah. If you go on outings, your job is to represent, you know, give a little speech and stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then, and that's what it was. We would go into class, and the, and the guys was like, we ain't saying nothing to Mr. King get in here. There's psychiatrists to be talked about. And she said, before you got in the room, they were all quiet. But when you came in and when you spoke, everybody started speaking then. I said, I don't know what that meant. I just said, well, I guess I'm a good influence on them. And they motivate me. And we are friends. And we talk to each other all the time when we were not in classes or anything like that. But I attracted a lot of names. I called about every name that was there. Got the name, phone number. And then I came back and put it on the computer, listed it. Look at the new friends I got. Wow, wow, wow. It was exciting because I met people who were just like me in the same predicament that I was. And that, in a world where we're living in, where people can vast mostly see, I would I joined a community of people who were having difficulty seeing. That, to me, was a testimony. That was saying, God saying, listen, 
I can use you to help other people, connect people to help them so that you can, this becomes a ministry in itself because here we are, veterans, low vision, blind, and we can help somebody. So now a person came to my, uh, there was a young lady came to me that I talked to. I thought she was just fine looking. I was just trying to get to, you know, know her because she's looking good. I'm like, I'm single. I don't, I don't get to know her. But I got to talking to her more than we got to talking to her. It got away from romance and it started talking about what we can do for one another. And um, she started the process in my head, started the wheel turning. And then we thought about if we could help our one another out, veterans helping veterans, that would be beautiful. Well, that's not what we call it, but that was our intention. So we start, I started, she left me to get the ball rolling. You know, who do you know? I have a whole, I had 32 people on my list right then. And I start calling them and telling them about what we like to do or how would you feel about that? How would you like something like that? Because some of them were having difficulties. Some of them were already, when I was calling them periodically, they were saying, I'm having a problem with some of my equipment. I can't seem to get it right. I can't seem to get my, my uh, computer working. I had a guy that was banging on his computer in the background. <laughs> And I was like, oh, man. You don't have to be blind to do that. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't even blind. No, he wasn't blind either. He could see. I said, but he's rough. And I said, well, Paul, you, you probably need to calm down a little bit because you're going to be too. I, I can replace the keyboard. And he said he had about three or four of them, so I left it alone. Because... <laughs> so... And all of them have keys missing off of them. <laughs> but strategically speaking each one of the veterans i talked had some essential problem some minor problem or bigger problem and sometimes i would say well you guys do know we have a resource you can call back to and if i've had experience with something that i'm calling back then i would tell them where i learned and what they can do and that's how it started what helping one another just randomly by ourselves that's where it started and to, we started I started drafting people to be a part of the program. One, I didn't, I shouldn't have, because she was more commercial. She wanted a lot of attention and she was a busybody. When she was on, we have meetings. She was having, she was being two Zoom meetings at one time, trying to talk to us about this. And she was very distracted. But one of the things she wanted to do was give away gifts or prizes. Like, well, the rest of us wasn't settled with that. Prices ain't got nothing to do. We're trying to help them. They need help. They don't need prices. And so we had to scratch that idea based on just that alone. I didn't scratch the entire program. She pretty much left and said, well, I don't think you guys would ever get this thing going, which gave me a, a yeah, deep it, 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 I think what she meant is you need to offer an incentive. If you join, we'll give you this free you know, coffee cup or whatever. Well, that, but but uh, you don't, if you don't, you don't really need that either. No, I don't want to bribe. Don't want to join or they don't. Yeah, I, I don't like bribing people. I like being straight up honest. Yeah, we want to help you if you need help with some. And some of them do. Some people are shy about asking for help. Some people are unaware. One of the guys at the center was going to Heinz. He didn't. A lot of things they offered him, he didn't take it. Now he wish he had because, but he wasn't. He didn't. He didn't know how to use it. And he wasn't really paying attention. So by the time he got home and I talked to him, I said, well, about all that stuff you got? Yeah, man, I got that iPhone, but I can only call people. And well, man, you can do more than that. Call people. You can email people. He's a Christian, too. He was going to church, yeah. have Bible study and things like that. But you, you can know. read your Bible on your iPhone. You can yeah. do Bible study on your iPhone. You can do uh, Zoom on your iPhone. You know, oh, you yeah. You, there's opportunities. These these devices open up opportunities for us. Remember, I said in boys to men, preparation opens the door for opportunities. Well, here these these I presented ourselves in such a way that I needed help, got the help I need, got resources or stuff I need. Come back here, and now I'm talking to the people that got it too with me, and now here we are sharing our experiences and finding out that there's some people having difficulty. I got it all. I, I didn't, if there's something I didn't know, I would call Heinz and they will refer, they will go to my computer and fix it. But some of them did not know that. 
And so that was what I was guiding them to. So when we started this organization, you know, the first thing we had was getting that mission statement out. And every time I think we had all of the participants, about four of us at the time, writing their own mission statement, we would come back and look at it. Well, we finally accepted one, but it really didn't, when I, when I study them, say, this doesn't say what I really, really want to say. We're trying to help and assist one another. So we want to keep it focused on what we're really trying to do. We're not trying to run their life. We're trying to assist them with some of the difficulties and refer them to places that can help them better achieve their goal. And also to motivate them. I use the word motivated because some of them are sitting like, I don't have nothing to do. Well, it motivated me going to Heinz to get in all this stuff. And so that's why I brought the word motivation in. Now I'm sitting up here trying to do three or four different things that I didn't even have on my plate before I went to Heinz. So because I'm running this organization, I'm living here, running an organization here, I'm involved with this and that because I have the tools to do those things. Now I can stay connected with people. That's why there's some programs. So we're our intention is to make sure that we're helping other veterans who are in the same predicament whether they are vision or low vision, and we have to learn both of us are in the same predicament. Some are deeper, worse off than we are that can see. And so we have to be sensitive to that. We have to be careful about that. We don't want to forget that because that's why I learned when I went to Heinz, oh, I'm in a, I'm in a community of people that understands where I'm at. And that feels comfortable. So being in that type of company, I like, we can do this on a regular basis. We can start helping one another out, connecting them to one another, encouraging them. We can still be doing that over the Zoom. Um, when Zoom came into play, I was like, wow, that's the best meeting place I've ever heard. Because before I was going to meetings in person, I mean, breaking my necks to get to meetings, sometimes I couldn't make it to me. But when Zoom came along for this opportunity, I think God was working that thing out a long time ago. He's like, you just wait. I got something better for you. You just wait. You're going to, since you love helping people, and since you still love bringing people together, helping them bring, get their thoughts together, get their lives together, even encouraging them. I, I need to, I need to, I need to make sure, this is God saying this to me. I need to make sure you have everything you need to make it possible. And from that day on, we started that project last year around January, and I have not stopped since then. We had to scratch our plan last year from getting live because we weren't ready. Our last meeting, I said, nah, I just, something had me wrestling. The spirit had me wrestling about something. I don't think we're ready. I don't think so. And after I got to talking to some of the other people periodically, except the one that walked out, uh, they agreed. We're not ready. So the crew that's with us now are really the original, Miss Pat, Jerome, myself, and Ray. They're the original crew. Then we added you two because I said, uh, um, we need to get some other people to help us make this. And I'm glad I made the choice because look how resourceful, as I said in the beginning, with when I first talked to both of you, these guys are very resourceful. So you have to be able to... The, to find people's talent and put their talents into good use. And that's where my eyes have been open to this vision. I continue. My pastor is Larry Rasco, and he's a visionary. And I've learned a lot from him under the 32, 39 years he's been under earth. I've learned a lot from him. I almost mimic him because he is a great teacher, preacher, and so forth, but also an awesome person that loves people and connects people regardless of color or whatever. It's not, it's not an issue with him. He can shoulder with anybody. And I like that. So I exemplify his attitude into me, which is probably already there, and then took what, you know, what we have and put it all together. Now I didn't, I don't take any credit. I give God the glory for everything that we're able to do and getting ready to do with the blinds, Hines um, veteran graduates, because um, I think these guys deserve all of the opportunities set before them. And I think we can commute, we can start a network of men beginning to help one another all around the world. 
All right. And, and of course, uh, at this point, uh, your group is still being formed up. Mm -hmm. And I know they're but really approaching some final stages. So yep. uh, to kind of uh, wrap things up on this is usually we ask, tell people where they can find you out on the web and how to reach out to contact you. But of course, your web page is pending. Uh, and what I would suggest, if there are anyone out there who knows a veteran, a blinded veteran, and the first thing I would recommend is go to your local VA hospital mm -hmm. and ask where the VIST coordinator office is located and take them to see the VIST. It's V-I-S-T. Uh, that would be the first step uh, to get somebody some help. Right. Uh, if you don't know where the nearest hospital is, look in your phone book and look for your local VA rep, and they could help you out to get there. Uh, now, of course, there are some steps. You have to be in the system. You have to you know, get qualified, but it's really simple to do. Uh, and even if you've had a long career, you got your own you know, really good health insurance, you don't really need VA medical insurance, get in the system, if for no other reason, to go talk to the VIST. And that visual impairment service team coordinator can get you into get training at Heinz. Or if you're not in this middle America, there are places in uh, was it Cleveland, Ohio, there's Birmingham, Alabama, there are places in Texas, California, all around the country. There's a, a good half a dozen, or maybe you know ten or twelve uh, centers that do blindness rehab, and they're all very good. Absolutely, I agree. Also, now you mentioned all of those resources, starting with your vet. Uh, if you are a veteran or served in the military, starting with your VA and finding out what information you need to do, get signed up. And then, if you heard about this program, the HBVG, the Heinz Blind Veteran Graduates, you don't always have to be just a graduate of Heinz. If you're from any other places that Keith has mentioned, you also can still contact us. This is the best way to contact me. You can either do it two ways. I'm going to give you email and that and phone number. Is that okay? That's up to you. Best way to reach you. Okay. The best way to reach me is LarryPoke58 at gmail.com. That's L-A-R-R-Y-P-O-L-K-5-8 at gmail.com. And the other way is directly over the phone, which will be 812-773-1174. And the name is, again, David King. Now, we're going to just screen you, find out what you're asking, do an assessment based on what you tell us, what you need. And then from there, like Keith said, if it's just basic stuff to begin with, then we need to get you in the right form in the right place to, to receive the right benefits. Um, this program is a benefit to you once you get the equipment, whatever equipment you get from any one of the rehab centers, uh, but they will motivate you and you will see things from a different perspective once you try uh, either one of these times or either one of these uh, rehab facilities. But we're wanting to be the start for those who are interested in getting help using their equipment, being referred, we also refer, which means if we see that you're having a big difficulty and you're wanting even just to get basic stuff, then we'll refer you to, if you're already a veteran, already registered, we'll refer you to your VIS coordinator in your area. Sometimes these VIS coordinators don't know about you unless you're going through the eye clinic and so forth. And eventually your name will come up on the list and people's going to recommend you. But if you haven't, then we'll put you in line up with the VIS coordinators. We have a list of all of the uh, VIS coordinators in the country uh, through our torque. Um, so uh, we can do that from there. And, and when you get on this, when you join, when we get it running and become line, when you get on and then you'll see that we will also be referring people to things and showing you how to use some of the equipment through videos uh, and so forth, how to instructions, 
We'll have professionals coming on, maybe from Heinz, some of those from Heinz or some of the other blind centers. Even this coordinator will be allowed to come on and do seminars and presentations and so forth. So all of the help will be, this is going to be the center point of all the help for veterans. Now, there may be other activities and other groups out there, but as far as I'm concerned, we don't know if we're the prize winning, but we're trying to be the one that makes a difference for individuals. We're not competing with anybody. We're just trying to make this, make a difference in the lives of those who are already having difficulty with their vision, need additional help, and don't mind coming on to meet with us on a regular basis so that we can find, assess your need as well as accommodate what you need. All right. And uh, with that, I think we'll wrap this up so we can get this out for people to uh, check you out and uh, get support from the group. I appreciate that, Keith. Thank you for having me on. And I hope everybody that hears this will have an opportunity. Eyes will open, ears will pop. What What did he say? Where can we connect? Hey, I want to get a part of it. And like you said earlier, Keith, and this is just a brief, we're still acquiring people to be a part of not just of the group, but a part of the administrator. So if you have some additional talents and things of that, we want to be able to work with you and see what you can do to help us bring this. Right. Yeah. So if you have something you feel you can contribute back to uh, helping others on the peer-to-peer -peer, uh, support, then right. yeah, definitely we want to hear from you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. want to hear from you. So don't be ashamed. Give right. us a call. And we'll have to have you back on, hopefully a month or two down the road when you get everything up and running, the site's going, and things are coming together. Absolutely. Thank so you. We'll talk, talk to you again then. Attention, this is a coded report nationwide. Two, two, two great books and one website. Visit strivingforeternity.org. There are two books that I would like to recommend you purchase. What they, meaning people who aren't Christians, other religions believe, and what we believe. Systematic Theology Made Simple. Both are great resources, especially if you plan on witnessing to somebody. Strivingforeternity.org. Join us as we take this time to stop and think about it. Hello? Hello, anybody home? I don't think, McFly, think. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. What were you thinking? I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Don't say anything now. Just think about it. You're listening to Stop and Think About It. A podcast for the Christian thinker in a day when sound biblical preaching has been replaced by man-centered entertainment and the church has become increasingly anti-intellectual. This podcast will encourage believers to think biblically and theologically. So please join me as we get ready to stop and think about it. Here I am, Phil, the Bronx Expositor, along with my favorite co-host and only one, Glenroy, the West Indian wordsmith. How you doing, Glenroy? Hello, everybody. We're back. We are back. Greetings, friends and foes, saints and sinners. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Stop and Think About It podcast. Well, thank you for taking this time to stop and think about it. If you would like to contact us, please email us at stopandthinkcrew at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at www.stopandthinkpodcast.com. This podcast is listener-supported by generous people like you. You can give a tax-deductible donation at our affiliate ministry at www.soulfishingministries.org and click on our donate link to give securely through PayPal. Thank you for listening to Stop and Think About It. My name is Andy Olson, and I want to tell you about Echo Zoe Radio. Echo Zoe Radio is a podcast outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries. Every month I find a knowledgeable guest to talk about an important and interesting topic that affects the church today. We carefully balance the discussions of positive, God-glorifying doctrines of Orthodox Christianity from a mostly Reformed point of view with exposés of heresy, false teaching, and poor practice that goes on throughout the church today. You can find us at echozoe.com. That's E-C-H-O-Z-O-E.com. All right. And that uh, 
was a few words about uh, David King, his uh, personal testimony, uh, which I thought we would spend more time talking about the, the Heinz uh, support group uh, and not so much about his testimony, but he, he was uh, very gracious to come on and I'm glad we did have that discussion. Uh, and uh, so with that, hey, we will have him back once things go a little more uh, active with the group and uh, touch base again with what's happening as things develop. And we may even have another uh, person on who's involved with that. Uh, if I can uh, get them scheduled in for an interview soon, I think I can, but we'll have to see at this point. But hey, stay tuned uh, for more Questing for truth as we roll through the month here, uh, seeking the truth about uh, God, faith, the Bible, and the world around us. What's the reality and truth there? Hey, with all that, let's go ahead and uh, wrap all up. This is your host, Keith, signing off, saying thanks for listening. See you next week. And here is our voice of the podcast, Anthony Russo, to tell you all about how to find us on the social webs and uh, leave us a voicemail, send us email, and all that good stuff. So here he is, Anthony Russo, tell the good folks how to find us and follow us. Thanks for listening. Visit life-truth.com where you can find all our shows. Leave a message or call our voicemail number at 401-753-4844. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash life truth page. Follow us on Twitter at HPNCast, capital H, capital P, capital N, capital C, A-S-T. Everything Nathan Caldwell does can be found at facebook.com forward slash protectors of the book. Music in the show is used by permission of Kevin Zerby at zerbinator.wordpress.com. May God richly bless you. May you find everything you need, and if you don't know Jesus, your greatest need is a Savior. Thanks for listening.